The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by the Niner Empire GB. Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Kat Victorino, and joining me today are Simon Holdsworth and Deepak Gohill. Hey, guys! Hi, everyone. Hi, everybody. Before we get going, the Niner Empire GB wants to send our warmest wishes and speedy recovery to our founder, Paul McDonald. He is in hospital recovering right now, and we wish him well, and hope to see you back on your feet soon, buddy. We love you. Yeah, 100%, Paul. Get well soon, mate. Definitely. Get well soon, buddy. All that aside, we did have a game last week that was mm, a battle at Levi. That wasn't, it wasn't perfect, guys. It really wasn't. Would you call it a battle? I'd call it a struggle. A struggle? Okay. Yeah. It was the trap game, wasn't it? That was, that everybody, every Niner team has this, including the ones when um, Jerry, Jerry Rice and Steve Young and Montana in those years We'd have a game like this that would just like implode for no reason. You know, it's. I remember. I think it was. We lost forty to nothing against the Eagles at home once, and I can't remember that if was, we made it to the Super Bowl that year or not. That was ninety four. That was yep. Yeah. So um, these things do happen, don't they? They do. The eighty one Super Bowl team lost at home against the 5-11 and 11 Browns as well on the way to the Super Bowl late on in the season. So it's not a, as you say, Deepak, it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing, but um, I don't know if it's a good thing. I, I like to think that sort of round about week 13, 14, you want to see your teams peaking, you know, as you're coming into the playoffs and that. But uh, there's still two games for us to peak. So, I'm, I'm... yep. And the, big, and the well, difficult I... games... I think a loss like this is actually needed in the growth of the team as a whole, as a unit. Um, I mean, I know we've been decimated by injuries, but I really feel like, you know, okay, we were clicking. We, you know, we got through that three-game stretch against those really good teams. You know, the Packers, the Saints, the Ravens came out two and one. And, you know, we get home and, okay, it's the Falcons and, you know, uh, but we've also been decimated by injuries this year, guys. We have to keep that in mind. Our defense, who we have relied on very heavily this year, let's be honest, and they have exceeded our expectations all over the place. They have been absolutely picked apart by injuries. We have, uh, and they have, but going back to the Atlanta game, it wasn't the defense that lost us a game. I think if your offense can only drop 22 on Atlanta at home, that's where you lost the game. You know, the defense, I know we conceded 29 points, but, and and six of them were in garbage time, don't forget, because they, I don't even think they bothered kicking the extra point after the laterals went wrong. But I think if your offense isn't going to turn up and your decimated D has done its job, then uh, I would point the fingers at the offense as to why we didn't win this one. And the offense has been inconsistent too, right, Simon? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it just felt like we were a bit jaded. I think, you know, a lot had been said about the, the three-game stretch that we'd just played. And, you know, thinking about it physically, you know, the last two games were cross-country trips. And also the Saints game will have been quite draining emotionally as well, being a late 
winner. I mean, the last the last two sort of down to the wire games we've lost, and I think you expend a lot of um, emotion when you win one of those games and the kind of euphoria. And it just felt like we were a bit flat, and that perhaps we'd just we were feeling the pinch of of playing those three three games against you know top ranked opposition. But I think you're right, Dip. I think that the the offense wasn't great. Um, some of the play calling was a little bit baffling, a little bit reserved for me for some reason. And apart from George Kittle, nobody really stepped up. I mean, for me, I don't understand why we weren't running most at more because he seemed to be for the really the third game in a row seemed to be the one back who was who was able to hit the gaps and and get good chunk players. Um, and it was just a, it was a strange game to watch. I must admit, it just felt like we were, we were stuck in third gear. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Especially with Mostert. I mean, he was super productive, but. I think it was the passing game that let us down. Now, Jimmy G didn't have any turnovers, and he didn't lose us a game, but what I'm trying to say is he didn't win us the game either because there was a a situation where nine straight passing plays went to to Kittle, and I'm thinking this is over-reliant on one player to do all the, the heavy lifting in terms of receivers. And Jimmy G just did not seem to connect with anybody else. I know we had a couple of drops. Debo had a drop. Uh, Kendrick Bourne had a had a really bad drop, you know. So it worried me that it was like every play was going to George Kittle. I mean, and bless him, he fumbled at the end. If he hadn't and it stayed in bounds, we could have won the game. But you cannot put this on on George Kittle. I think, but I do think we used him too much. If there is such a thing. <laughs> One of the great strengths of our offense is that we we can run the same players from different looks. But when it's the same player over and over and over again, it becomes predictable and it becomes easy to defend. And I just felt that I, we played into Atlanta's hands really. That unpredictability that we've really enjoyed this season, particularly against in the Saints game, and you know that sort of expansive play calling just wasn't there for some reason. And it just it just felt strange. It just felt like a a strange game, like we'd kind of gone back a season almost. Yeah, I think it's, you know, and this is important to, to recognise, especially after that gauntlet of three games that can't mention, it's going to psychologically affect you one way or another. And if you're going to drop a game, now's the time to do it. You don't want to drop it against the Rams, a divisional opponent, and you certainly don't want to drop it in Seattle, you know. Who's to say Seattle might lose against Arizona? <laughs> Unlikely, but it could happen. And we're back in business, you know. But I think... a the pressure of playing literally a playoff game every game. And and I put this on our Facebook page, and I really meant this. It's like every single game we play becomes the most important game of the season. you know, And that's a lot yeah. of pressure to put on this team. Now the Rams game is, is a must win if we're to keep the seed. You know, <clears throat> keep keep fighting for the, for the first seed in the NFC. So every single game is becoming the most important game we play. And in it, the mental intensity of that does take it out of you after a while. Of, of course it does. It's that the old soccer adage, isn't it? We've got six cup finals left, potentially five or six cup finals left. And like you say, is you to be able to lift yourself for every single one of those is really difficult, particularly with a young team. But it's the one thing that you have to do. You know, you only you, you only get one chance to become a first time Super Bowl champion, don't you? At one stage, you've got to kind of ride that wave and turn up week in week out and we we you know for the Rams game we're going to get a few people back and 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 healthy which will help and people who are perhaps they're good players so I'm talking particularly people like Richard Sherman who is not only playing 
Pro Bowl level, but he's also and got that elite mentality that will help guide these young players through the the peaks and troughs of a of a, of a sixty minute football game. But even that, all of that said, we lost the game by literally half an inch, which is how much that ball yeah. crossed the plane of the end zone by half an inch. You know? uh-huh. So all that included, we lost by half an inch. So it, it shows that we can still be a, a very very effective, a very good good team, even though when we're not on 100% psychologically, we could still win these sorts of games. And I think all the learnings we've had from our losses so far, so Seattle, Atlanta, and Baltimore, of course, I think all of them, we've taken something from them and made it into a learning. And, you know, I think this team is literally playoff ready now. They just need a little bit of a rest, and I think they're ready to go. I completely agree, and, and like you said, the, the the thing that we need to do is learn from those. And each one of the losses will have brought uh, a, has brought a different scenario from which they'll be able to learn from, which will help them out down the stretch certainly. And it's not just the players; it's coaching as well. I think Shani's never been in a position like this as a head coach, so this is new to him as well. You know, because and, yeah, and, and he's learning with his team, and and that's the scary thing. It's not that we're just learning, but we're actually making improvements because of those learnings. So. When I said a few moments earlier, we need to be peaking. We're, we're peaking as we play, so we're getting better game on game on game. Scratch the one on Sunday because that was like a, an aberration, if you will. Yeah. But really, to go to New Orleans and Jimmy G beats Drew Brees in a gunfight, that's not many people are going to do that. And look what Brees did over the weekend. And deservedly so. I mean, I have a lot, Absolutely. Of, a lot of respect for, for Drew Brees, but... For a young quarterback like, like like Jimmy G walks into the Silver Dome and he says, "You yeah, okay? I'll take you on in a gunfight and I'm going to beat you." That's exactly what he did. You know, it's exactly what he did. So, I think you know, I, I dare say it, but I think our best football is yet to come, and I think we're going to see it. Well, I think we still have a lot of learning to do as well. I I really feel like the Niners are still struggling with that winning mentality you know because I really feel like this trap game they should have known they should have known this was going to be a game that they could potentially lose and they did but I I feel like they're still not used to that idea of winning they like it but they're not you know it's not it, it's not like with the, the Joe Montana era and the Steve Young era where we had gotten so used to winning we were expecting it and we were pushing ourselves harder and harder to make sure that we get there and we get to that Super Bowl I feel like they're they're kind of floundering like um really this is how it's supposed to be you know what I mean yeah but Shani did actually call this out but didn't actually do anything about it he actually said pre-game this is Atlanta Super Bowl and if it's not ours they're gonna kick our asses he actually said that before the game, and, yeah. and whilst he, he recognised it, he didn't actually, you know, act on his own sort of impulse there. He had, but you know, this isn't the game we need to be crying about. This, yeah, this is just one of those games that it is what it is, and it's best to just take the positives and and move forward with from this one. Can I just say it again? Oh my God, you guys! Can you believe a year ago where we were? And where we are now. A year ago, we were talking about draft choices. Exactly. And here we are talking about the playoffs. I mean, what a difference a year makes. Well, this time this time last year, we were talking about drafting Nick Bosa. Now we're talking about Nick Bosa being a, going to the Pro Bowl. Isn't it great? 
and, and can I can I just add just to, just before we finish wrapping up the game, how awesome was that Kittle block on the touchdown when he just the camera panned down to him after he pancaked that dude and he was just he was creased <laughs> laughing. It's one of the funniest <laughs> things I have ever seen. It was genius. But you know, he actually that that pancake technically and aesthetically it was a thing of beauty. But the fact that yeah. he smiled like a 15-year-old kid and he's enjoying playing football, I think when a team is enjoying playing, they're gonna, the chances of them winning are going to be much higher when they enjoy what they're doing. And they are a very close group. They're very together and they enjoy playing for each other. They've got like a hierarchy of leadership, which is something we, we haven't had in recent years. We've got that. And now you add in a player like Kittle, who is leading by example, having fun and enjoying it and demonstrating to his team, look, this is so much fun. And we're going to win because of that. You know, it's infectious. It completely is infectious. And it's just, it's it's ace, isn't it? For, for all the big players that George Kittle does and everything that he brings in the receiving game, his favourite part of the football is blocking. It's crazy. But what a great mentality to have. He's such a wild man. I just adore him. <laughs> He's the standout character in the NFL this year. Oh, absolutely. And I keep thinking of him in his hoodie, licking the windows, trying to get on the field when he was injured. (laughs) (laughs) He was just going mad, wasn't he? I tweeted during the game on my personal Twitter account, if you don't love George Kittle, then you must be dead inside. And, (laughs) you know, regardless of who you follow, you've got to just love him. He's people's tight end. That's what he is. (laughs) He's the people's. Yes. So Mark Belair asks, um, we looked flat on offense and we've talked about that, especially with the lack of production from the wide receivers. And I think, Simon, your question was where were our wide receivers? Do we put this execution down to play calling or this play, execution or both? I think we need to give Atlanta a bit of credit here in terms of where our wide receivers are, because Jimmy G didn't really get that much on on the ball to, to deliver it. You know, he had to, to get rid of it fairly quickly. He needs a little bit more time than he was actually given, which is surprising because Atlanta's pass defense isn't very highly ranked in the NFL. But I think they made defensive adjustments to to get Jimmy G to make the unnatural throws, which thankfully he didn't do because we all know what happens when he does unnatural throws. He'll, he'll get picked off. It's as simple as that. And he's matured enough not to do it. So, you know what? I, I give him credit for playing to his strengths, and that's Kittle. He knows he's reliable, he knows he's where he's going to be, and he knows he knows how to get open too. But that said, where our receivers are, you know, that's a good question, but there were a couple of very costly drops, again, by Kendrick Bourne. He dropped one. Uh, Debo, he dropped an, an easy one, and um, Sanders dropped uh, a couple that were catchable too. So mm-hmm. it's just a bad day at the office for our receiver core. I don't really want to read too much more than that into it. Yeah, I think Debo's he was guilty of sort of looking upfield to see because he, he's so good, you know, yards after the catch. I think he was like, this is almost like a given catch. I'm go- I need to know where the defender is so I can avoid him. And he sort of just took his eye off the ball, didn't he? And it was because it was right. It was the throw from Jimmy was perfect. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I, it was a bit a bit reactionary the question for me to be honest. I think I posed it almost straight after the game. So <laughs> that, perhaps just a little bit kind of like, where the hell are our receivers? Uh, um, <laughs> Well, no, but I think it is a very important question to ask because I'll defer back to what I said. The reason why we lost is because we only put up 22 points at home against Atlanta. Yeah. You know, that's why we lost. So it's legit to ask a question of where are where were our receivers? 
you know, what were they doing? Well, yeah, I mean, Jimmy threw 34 times and only completed 22. Uh, he's had better numbers than that. He has, yeah. Um, Cal, it, it, I watched a vid, the video of Cal Shanahan summarizing the game, and he gave Atlanta credit schematically on defense, and he said they made they made life very very difficult for us in terms of they seemed to know what we were doing, and sometimes that just happens, doesn't it? With a particular defense, they kind of are able to read an offense, and they just seem to have the answer for where we were trying to go with the receivers, you know. And like I say, the only person they didn't really have the answer for was Kittle and and maybe Raheem Mostert as well. Don't forget in that stat sheet of Jimmy G's for the game there is a really important one and that for me is he didn't turn the ball over not one correct yeah Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's huge it's really really important uh Michael Wandy asks why does Shanahan call one game like the genius he is and the next like he's the clapper (laughs) well I think we Sai sort of touched on it when he said that um you know when Shani was doing his post game he did say Atlanta made micro adjustments which were very difficult for us to to cope with you know and sometimes coaching on the hoof after you've been preparing all week especially for a team that you used to coach at it's not going to be easy you know so I, I, yes I can understand 100% why he thinks the coaching was erratic and the play calls were erratic and some of them were a bit head scratchy to say the least but who knows, he might be saving the good stuff for when we need it. You know, might be another triple reverse coming against Seattle. We don't know. No, we don't know. And, and similarly, we don't know whether the guys seemed a little bit off in practice as well. You know, sometimes you just get that, don't you? You know, with lethargy and, and things. And if he's thinking, well, the guys are a little bit off and, you know, Kyle, Kyle's playbook is so vast and so varied that you have to be kind of performing at a high level to be able to carry it through so maybe he just felt that the guy's a little bit off we'll just rein it in a little bit and just see if that gets us through so d i'm going to ask you your question how much longer does the decimated defense have to carry this team or will the offense contribute in both significant and consistent manner with arguably our most important game of the season so far versus the rams coming on a short week and i've said this um through the vast majority of the season and i see the defense carrying the offense and with the exception of New Orleans where the offense really did come on to its own you know it was we're going to score one more than you mentality throughout the whole game but invariably there is going to come a time when for this football team to truly be what it wants to be offense defense and special teams have to be in the same biorhythmic sync if you know what I mean and right now I don't really see the offense contributing as much as it should be doing they're going to have to do it soon. That's what I'm going to say. They're going to have to do it soon. Uh, because clearly, a, a defense that's crippled with injuries cannot keep winning football games. I mean, it started with the Steelers game. Was it five, six turnovers we had in that game and we still won? Mm-hmm. That's defense. Defense wins you those ball games. Yeah. yeah, they scored nine points, didn't they, off five turnovers? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's only so much this defense can do. It's really what that question is saying. The offense is going to have to pull its finger out and, and contribute. And it's got two games to do it in as far as the regular season's concerned. But come the playoffs, doggy dog, the margins become smaller and everything becomes even more unforgiving than it is right now. So we're going to have to see the offense contribute. Otherwise, we won't be successful in whatever it is we're trying to achieve this year. Well, here's some concerning news about the defense. It's been five games since the Niners last had an INT when Greenlaw picked Wilson off in the Seahawks game. And then the defense has given up an average of 25.8 
points per game in the last seven games. Is the defense just gassed at this point? Yeah, but you've got to remember something like 40-odd were against New Orleans. You know, that was a big scoring game. Um, yeah, 46, yeah. So that kind of bumps up that figure a bit. Lack of defensive interceptions. I mean, we've seen our D-backs drop some absolute howlers that should be interceptions. We did against Atlanta, you know. We did against New Orleans. We've seen, especially against New Orleans, it's in your hands. It's come to your chest. You have to intercept that, and it's a pick six. But we still somehow don't do it. There was the one where, um, was it Emmanuel Mosley? or Oh, no, it was DJ Reed, wasn't it? Just walked in front of Fred Warner, who had probably the easiest interception he'll ever have in his life. And you kind of go, man, you know, it's not like we're not generating, it's not like the, the pass for us isn't generating the opportunities, which, you know, last season we said that there was no interceptions because there was no pass rush. We can't say that this year. No, but, you know, I've always believed that turnovers are the key to winning football games. I.e. don't commit any and B, force them yeah. to commit. So as long as we're still winning the turnover battle, it gives us a better chance to win our games. And, and I think this defence has got turnovers. I mean, a special teams play on the punt return. That was a thing of beauty. You know, we won the ball back. Boom. Jews scores, scores a touchdown from it, you know? So we do have yeah. turnovers in us. You know, we, we do have that in us. We do make those plays. So uh, That was some hit by Ross Dwelly, that wasn't it, as well? Oh, man. And did you see Kittle's reaction yeah. on the sideline? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. That was Dwelly. That was Dwelly. That was Dwelly. Yeah, absolutely. To answer my own question, we'd better see the offense soon, otherwise it might not be such a great postseason for us. Yeah, that's a scary thought in and of itself, given how far we've come. Uh, Steve Panda Richardson, he's got his, I love this list of questions, so I'm going to take them one at a time. In my head, there's at least one inexplicable defeat during the year for a championship team. This was ours. I, I, I love that he's already calling us a championship team. I'm not ready to go there yet. Was it inevitable after the emotional win in New Orleans? We were pretty flat against the cards after the Thursday night loss in Seattle as well. Are we going to be able to pick ourselves up after an emotional win in the playoffs? Let's talk about that emotional piece, guys. Yeah, I call these rubber ass games because you got to bounce your ass back and win again. We're playing the Rams. They got destroyed by Dallas. But guess what the Rams did the week before? They destroyed Seattle. So it tells you anybody can beat anybody in this league. They're out of contention, but I'm telling you because of the rivalry we have with them, there's nothing more they would love than to pee out all over our fireworks. So they're going to come fired up, and we're going fired up as well because we still want the number one seed. So yes, (laughs) we do lose these games, and yes, we come out flat, but now we've reached a point where we literally cannot be flat against the Rams because there's so much at stake. And if we lose against the Rams, then... Fine, ditch the starters for the Seattle game, rest them. We go to Jerry World and beat Dallas in Dallas, and that's a hell of a consolation prize, you know? Oh, God, I would love doing that. Can you imagine Emmanuel's George Kittle standing on the star? (laughs) T.O. style. That would be awesome. (laughs) Nah, I think he'd make a Niner Angel on the the star. (laughs) Yeah, he probably would do, yeah. Turkey in the middle of that star, you know, for Christmas. Yeah. April. Oh my God. You've got form for this. <laughs> Beat redemption. Yeah, you've got previous for this, so eat some turkey on the star. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was goose for Christmas. What do I know? 
Actually, around here, I want crab. We've Our Dungeness crab season just started, so I'm excited about that. Anyway, moving on. Let's move on. We have a game on Saturday, guys. Are you ready for a Saturday game? Yes. Not um, that time of night. I'm actually really pleased that it's late night because I've got dinner with uh, friends and wives and all that kind of stuff, and there's nothing worse than going out to dinner with people and your face is buried in your phone watching a game of football. <laughs> No, don't be that guy, D. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely delighted that it's starting at one o'clock in the morning our time. <laughs> That's hysterical. Because <laughs> I really would be miserable company, you know. They'd be like, so what do you think? I'm like, hush, it's third and, third and short. <laughs> Are you staying up, Simon? I plan to, but, it, but in, in the UK, the Friday before Christmas is called Mad Friday. And everyone sort of goes out and gets absolutely twisted beyond recognition. So dependent, <laughs> dependent on what time I get in, I plan to, but what I'll probably do is go to sleep and try and wake up for it, I think. Oh, cool. Nice. Well, this is an old rivalry against the Rams. The Niners lead the series 70, 67, and 3. We've had three ties against the Rams. Our last meeting was in week six in LA, beat them 20 to 7 scoring 20 unanswered points after the Rams led 7-0. What are we looking for in this game? Well, I expect the Rams to do what they did when we played them um, in Los Angeles. They came at us right from the opening drive. They were in full control, actually, for a good chunk of the first quarter until we got the ball back and settled a little bit. So I expect the Rams to take the game to us. But at the same time, I think We'll get our composure. We're playing at home. You know, we've got a point to prove after losing against Atlanta. And I think we'll steady the ship and we'll cruise through. I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be okay. They've got nothing to play for except a sheer indomitable desire to beat us, which is actually more dangerous than a playoff spot at stake. Absolutely. So, you know, so uh, you, you cannot dismiss this team. But at the same time, I think... We, sh we should be able to handle them. They beat Seattle, so they're not a gimme team at all. They're, and they beat Seattle convincingly. It wasn't just a, a little win here, a squeaker. They, they, they handled them. You know, the proper man handled them. So it's not going to be easy. But we've, <laughs> this season, we've actually won very, very difficult games. And this will be another one that's going to be difficult. But we will, we will win. We will. I know we will. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Levi will be loud. I think it'll be hostile with it being a divisional game. I think that I mean the crowd seemed pretty up for it on on Sunday, but um, you know against a game in, in a game where you're expected to win, I don't think the crowd's ever quite as loud as it perhaps could be if there's something really on the line. Yeah, I think I think that I think dipped right. I think I think if we keep the ball, I mean, the one one thing that does worry me is the. Aaron Donald, Ben Garland matchup. I think that's something to be concerned about. But I think if we keep stick to our game plan like we did um, in the Coliseum and we run to the outside and we keep the play away from Aaron Donald, um, I think we'll be good. Yep, it's the rubber ass game. We bounce back. <laughs> I'm so using that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the Rams uh, love us <clears throat> just as much as we love them. <clears throat> so uh, we know they're going to come gunning. They want to be the spoilers, and they know we're after that first seed and that we're fighting for it. And uh, 
I'm a little nervous, guys. I really am. I don't think the Rams are really the slouches that they that their record shows them to be. They're not, but it's good to be nervous. It means you respect your opponent. Absolutely. Uh, and we are opening as six and a half point favorites for the game. So, uh, Simon, you got pick six results for me this week? I do, yes. Because of the unpredictability of the NFL, um, not many people, there were no pick sixes for a start. Uh, Martin Hughes top scored with five winners. The top ten with 74 points joint is Keith Fish and Kieran Walton, um, followed closely by Nathaniel James. After that, there's a complete chancer called Simon Holdsworth and then (laughs) John Newell and a few others, yourself, Kat. Uh, and Deepak Hunt is 8th and you're 10th with quite a few others so um, (laughs) a few weeks to go still all to play for um, but Keith Fish and Kieran Walton are the top two seeds uh, as we uh, as we enter into the final two weeks of the um, of the the regular season I'm just going to pick whatever teams those guys pick from now on I think (laughs) (laughs) ooh good plan Although I do have to say, uh, Mark, Daryl, and I have the magic number of 49 as our score. <laughs> oh, you do? You guys we win. do. You guys win. <laughs> we win the internet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. I have two minutes on the clock. Are you ready to play the two-minute drill? Let's go. Sure am. All right. Here we go. Simon, do you think Shanahan was starting to keep his playbook under wraps for the playoffs? Um, not intentionally but um, i'm hoping he might be coming up, come up with some new plays that we haven't seen before for the playoffs deepak missed pat do you think robbie will finally go back home after this season i don't know where his where his home is but when i'm at home watching him it's usually through cracks in my fingers so i don't know <laughs> simon would you make a trade for julio jones in the off season well, I think any team would benefit from having Julio Jones, as he as he demonstrated on Sunday. Um, I still like Emmanuel Sanders, and I like the I like the development of Debo Samuel as well. So, um, yes, and but do we need him? I don't know. Uh, Deepak, do you think Jimmy tried to play it safe against the Falcons, or does our scheme not suit deep shots down the field? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Falcons adjusted their defense, so taking a deep shot might have been risky. Simon, with four going to the Pro Bowl, should we have had more? Um, I would like to have seen the one of the interior uh, defensive linemen, uh, Buckner and Armstead. I think they've been outstanding. Um, but other than that, I think the picks are about right. Uh, Deepak, will Donald capitalize on Richburg being out by rushing on the inside? Good luck to him if he does. <laughs> he is locked and loaded and ready to go. Injuries are not, so... They can try their luck. If they go on the outside, guess who's waiting? 97's waiting there. So, yeah, he's going to go inside, but uh, I'm confident our linebacker will pluck those gaps. Um, thank you for playing. Well, let's talk about the Pro Bowl, guys. Nick Bosa, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, and Richard Sherman were all selected as starters for the Pro Bowl. In addition, our alternates are Armstead, Buckner, Garoppolo, Mostert, Richburg, Staley, Ward, and Warner. That's a pretty darn good showing for us, considering we had two people last year. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Um, but it shows how that we're being recognized as a team of, of real talent. And it's one thing to have real talent on a team, but when real talent plays as a team, that's when stuff like what we have happening happens. So um, it's it's a great, great 
you know, pat on the back for us. And hopefully they won't be able to make it to the playoffs. I mean, to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Don't jinx these things. <laughs> okay, okay, knocking on wood, knocking on wood. <laughs> now, one question we didn't get to in the two-minute drill, and I think it's a duh question, but I'm going to ask it. George Kittle, is he a future Hall of Famer? If he plays like this, yeah, he will be a Hall of Famer. But oh, <laughs> this is not be, me being cynical, and I honestly mean this. And I've been to Canton many, many, many times now. But Canton's changed. Now, the requirement once was that you had to be the best of the best to get in. Now anybody can get in as long as they've retired. So it is diluted. But going back to Kittle and the way he plays, if he plays like this every season or improves, dare I say it, he's going to go down as an NFL all-time great tight end, like Ozzie Newsom, you know, like Mike Dicker, like those guys, you know, <laughs> the, the greatest ever played. Ken Winslow, you know, those sorts of guys. He'll be one of those. Yeah. I think, I think you only have to look at the records that he holds already. So he holds the single-season record for receiving for a tight end. He also holds now the record for the most yardage in the first three seasons by a tight end. I think he broke the record on Sunday, didn't he? Held by Mike Ditka, um, and like I say, as long as he keeps playing as he as he is playing, yeah, he, uh, he I think he's he, he, again barring a, a perish the thought a serious injury, I think he'll be there. Knockwood, knockwood, knockwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him Everything. all the money. Give him whatever he wants. Sign him up to a long term contract. Oh yeah, give him the world. I'm good with that. Give him the key to the give him the key to the state of California. I would be good with that. <laughs> But he's just burst on the scene, hasn't he? Can you remember when Vernon Davis left and everyone was like, oh, it's Selleck time and we like the look of uh, Garrett Selleck and Kittle just came out of nowhere, didn't he? And all of a sudden it was like, whoa, who is this dude? Yeah. I, me, I was yeah. one of those. I was a huge fan of Vernon after Singletary turned him into a human being, you know, and then mm-hmm. yeah. Vernon's game really improved. And when he left for Washington, I thought, gosh, you guys are getting a decent, decent tight end. But I didn't think Kittle would be like, and I mean this sincerely, he's 20 times better than Vernon Davis in terms of attitude and play, you know? Absolutely. <clears throat> well, Vernon Davis's great asset was that he had receiver speed, didn't he, and tight inside. And, and George Kittle has that. But he also had hands like cows' teats, did, um, did Vernon Davis. And, you know, it was, but George Kittle is just, apart from one, the one fumble that we've mentioned, is safe as houses, isn't he? He can catch in traffic, he can catch while he's covered, there's no fear of going to him, and that's the biggest compliment you can pay to him, I think. And obviously he's blocking, he's the best blocker in the in the league, as we saw on Sunday. Definitely, Vernon definitely had drops in him, you know, and he didn't quite mm-hmm. enjoy run blocking. I mean, he could run block, but he never sort of enjoyed it, whereas Kitts, he just loves doing it, you know, he's like a cow in poo when he does yeah. that. He's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and it shows because he's so consistently good in his blocking schemes. He's amazing. He really is. He is. So my question that I was going to throw in to the two-minute drill that didn't make it in because we ran out of time, and I'm going to keep going. Do you guys think we can make it through the playoffs to the Super Bowl from a wild card position? Yeah, I absolutely do, because it's been done before. I think um, Pittsburgh did it. Raiders actually won a Super Bowl. They were the first team to win the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. as a wild card, and Looking at how we've been playing this season, we seem to do okay away from home in the big games, you know. So I absolutely believe, yes, this this team can do it. It's got the talent, it's got the ability, and it's got the belief as well. You know, it just needs to come together. But yeah, uh, if we got fifth seed, 
I wouldn't be pissed off. Not because, hey, we made the playoffs, but no. If we have to win on the road in Dallas, we'll win on the road in Dallas. If we have to go back to New Orleans, guess what? We've won there too. And if we have to win again in Seattle, we're going to win there too. It doesn't matter. Uh, I really think this team can do it as either first seed or fifth seed. It would be better for my heart if we did it from first seed. (laughs) (laughs) And my sanity. And our injuries. Yeah, the yeah. Ravens game, I think, drove Paul over the edge. and It would have done me too, you know. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we can, Cap. Truly, as a wild, wild card team, we can do this. I think I think that I agree with you entirely. I just, I, It just makes me nervous thinking about facing a team like Baltimore, having been on the road for the, you know, for, for three games in a row and really done it the hard way. I think we need to be... Any team that plays Baltimore needs to be ready physically, and I just think that if we did go through as the as the fifth seed, that might be one bridge too far. Should we get that far? But hey ho, we we, we you can only beat the team that's in front of you. And that's we, true. You know, at the end of the day, if we if it's from fifth, then it's from fifth. But there's nothing we can do about it. Unfortunately, it's just uh, that is what it is. And but we only play Baltimore a if they make it, and b if we make it, yeah. of course. And then, yeah. By the time yeah. we have to play them, I think we get a week or two weeks even off before that game happens. So yes. be rested. And it will be at a neutral venue, Miami. So yeah. um, I, I really think this is it. I think this is... I'm thinking Quest for West. Talk to me about Quest for Six after Quest for West is ticked off. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Quest for West. One of my best friend's mums just bought... Well, the, the last year they bought a house in um, in Naples in Florida. And I said that if the 49ers get to the Super Bowl, would I be able to go out and use her house just so I can be there in Super Bowl week? And she said she gave me the green light this week. So nice. If we're in the Super Bowl, I'll be in. I'll be in. Uh, I'll be going to Florida to watch it. Not 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 actually to the game, obviously, but you know, just being in and around it would be amazing. It's good to be a Niner again, isn't it? It is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, we made the playoffs and we were still pissed off. I mean, I know. <laughs> It's we just crazy, can't be satisfied. <laughs> I know we made the playoffs, but we're still pissed off. <laughs> I, you know what? I, there's no way. I, you know, maybe I'll be disappointed. Maybe I'll be disappointed in performance, or pissed off in performance, or execution, or play calling, or mistakes, or penalties, or whatever. I never, ever thought we would hit double digits this season and wins and the fact that we're sitting here where we are 11 and 3 okay i'll take it <laughs> talk me into saying we'd win at least seven you know and i'm like yeah oh gosh if we can win seven that's really something that's where i was at yeah exactly so i'm happy with this season regardless i think we would have all been happy if you just said we were going to be above 500 i think everyone would have gone you know what that's progress i'm happy with that to be to be where we are is just beyond not beyond the wildest dreams, obviously, but it's certainly way ahead of where I thought we were going to be. And you know, we haven't had to use the word Nick, the words Nick Mullins yet this year, which is good. <laughs> That's true. We haven't. Or CJ. Or CJ Beathard. Or CJ. That was the argument last year, wasn't it? Who's the best? Who's who's the least crap quarterback? <laughs> but or now Nick that Mullins. we're here, you know, let's win it. You know, I'm not content at being glad to be here anymore uh, this is the prize and we have to go for it we have to go for it next season is next season who knows what can happen next season but right now yeah 
It's yeah, here and it's achievable. Just... It's it's doable. You know, it's not undoable. It's absolutely doable. So let's win yeah. it. You know, let's win it. And I like I like the 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 mindset that they have still the 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 team in front of us. So let's focus on the Rams. Let's get through the Rams. Go Niners. I think it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Andy Mitchell, Daryl Nils Handman, Deepak Gohill, Graham Ross, James Little, Jason Argo, Mark Lyon, Nathaniel James, Neil Jepson, Paul McDonald, Rob Newell, Ross Irwin, Simon Holdsworth, and Stephen Box for all the work they do on the show and in the group. My apologies if I missed anyone. And if you would like to be involved in the show, just let us know. We're always looking for members to help out, contribute, or appear on the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB, and on Facebook, search for the group Niner Empire GB. Be sure you check out the Frequency 49 blog on Podbean or your favorite podcast site. You can also email us at Frequency49Show at gmail.com. On behalf of Deepak Goldhill and Simon Holdsworth, I'm Kat Victorino. I will not be here next week, so I want to wish you all a Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. I will see you on New Year's Day. Thanks for joining us. Go Niners. There it is! <laughs> <laughs>